You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Staycation. We start a new worship series here today. I hope it's going to be a breath of fresh air, just a bit of fun uh, for all of us. I don't know about you, but I was planning to take a vacation during July, and as hashtag 2020sorry about it happened, uh, we've had to change our plans. Uh, getting away, finding Sabbath, taking a break is all important. So what do you do when, when you can't go away to find those things? Well, we need to find Sabbath right here where, where we can. Uh, and we start with preparing for the trip. How do you prepare to go away? How do you prepare for Sabbath? How do you prepare for this peaceful time? Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning with the first verse. It'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick. And say to them, the kingdom of... That wasn't for dramatic pause. I lost my place. <laughs> Cure the sick. And announce to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And Ron, if you can turn me down just a bit, I'm hearing some feedback, at least uh, up here, uh, if you don't mind. I wish someone would have told me that babies take up so much room. This little human being takes up Lots of space, especially when you're going on a vacation or you're going somewhere, right? You have the pack and play, you have a diaper bag, you have the diapers, you have the baby papasan chair that vibrates so that they have somewhere to sit and relax. Uh, teething rings, toys, bottles, five onesies a day because they spit up on themselves all day. Baby Tylenol, Mylocon drops just in case. I'm sure I'm forgetting something because I've psychologically blocked that portion of my life deep down 
somewhere and have locked it away. Going on vacation takes a lot of planning, especially, at least, at least for us, it does. We pull up Google Maps, we see how long it takes to get there. Should we eat on the road? Should we pack a lunch? Should we bring the dog? Should we not bring the dog? When are we going to get there? Are we going to hold the mail? All the, we haven't even left the house, and there's all these things. Is everything covered at the church and in the office? This text that we get from Jesus is about preparing for a trip. Preparing for a destination. Another way to look at it is preparing for the journey that is Christianity itself. That is discipleship. It's also one, and Briley, you'll rest well with this. This is one of those texts that reveal to us that Jesus was never a youth director. Imagine getting this letter in the mail. We're taking a mystery trip. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Uh, you can't bring anything with you, not even a cell phone or a purse or shoes. And the cost is $3.95, right? This, this is one of those clues that Jesus was never, never a youth director. Carry no pass, no pass, no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Just get there. Packing for this kind of trip is easy. Preparing for this kind of trip takes a lifetime. And it is what discipleship is about. So for a moment, let us take a look at each of these commands that Jesus offers to this crowd of 70 or 72, depending on which translation you're looking at. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, is where Jesus begins. With God, there is always abundance. With God, there is always enough. The harvest is plentiful. We see this throughout scripture. Jesus sees the disciples and he says, you haven't caught anything, have you? Well, then cast your net on the other side of the boat. And they caught so many fish that they couldn't bring it Sure, when they listened to Jesus, they had nothing, but then they listened, they had more than they can handle. Same thing, Jesus is wandering around and there are 5,000 people who are hungry, but the, and Jesus says, go and feed them, but the disciples only have two fish and five loaves, and they say, this is, what is this to a crowd such as this? And Jesus says, well, if you think it's nothing, then give it to me and see what happens. Jesus blesses it, breaks the bread, shares it, and 5,000 people get their fill. Same thing when the ancient Israelites were leaving Egypt, there was no food, there was no water, and they look at Moses, Moses, what are you doing to us? We're going to die out here, and it would have been better if we had died back in Egypt. You send us out into the desert to die, but then of course God provides manna every day for them. Twice as much uh, before the Sabbath so that they can prepare for that Sabbath break. I love this language, the harvest was plentiful, but the laborers are few. With God, there is abundance, but with us, we tend to always assume scarcity or that there isn't enough. And when there's scarcity, when we imagine that there isn't enough, we go into protection mode and we push people away because there's this fear that there won't be enough. And if you don't think that our default position is scarcity, then take some kids on a road trip. It's not long before you hit the road when you hear, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? There's a scarcity of time. There's not enough time. We need to get there. Are we there yet? We should be there. Dad, when can we get snacks? 
Dad, I'm hungry. Can we, you just pass the Exxon. There's snacks. Why are you not stopping? There's a scarcity of supply. We think there's not going to be any food ever on a, on a road trip. There's no food left. We have to stop. We have to eat. Or, you know, one of my favorites is she's touching me. She's touching me. Or what happened in our household, he's breathing my air, is what my sister would say. He's breathing my air, which is dangerous these days, so don't do that. He's breathing my air. There's scarcity of space. There's just not enough space to go around. I'd love to say that we outgrow this, but we still have the same concerns as we grow older, only the stakes are higher as adults. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest is God's, that abundant place of God, and we are the laborers. There is no ambiguous, um, non-physical thing called the church. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. The same thing with Asbury. There is no ambiguous, out there, non-tangible Asbury. (laughs) We are the church. We are the laborers. There's not some strange Asbury out there. It's right here. This is what I love about the gospel survey that we have. It helps us understand not only our DNA and how to reproduce who God is calling us to be, but it also reminds us that we are a living, breathing, moving organism. And this organism that we call Asbury has a particular way of being and a particular way of seeing and a particular way of doing. Now, there is a pattern that has emerged so far in uh, the survey. We've had about 30 or so take it. I I invite you to take that. More information gives us better data uh, and a better way of of discerning who we are. But it's so very interesting to see what what has already come back of who Asbury understands who Asbury is. Go out into the harvest. Send the laborers into the field. And then Jesus says, I am sending you like sheep among wolves. And this goes into the category of either the things I wish Jesus hadn't said, or at least that Jesus had said in reverse. Like if we were being sent out like wolves among the sheep, like there's some confidence there. <laughs> you know, the pack mentality, we have sharp teeth, we're ready to roll. And, and you know, there, maybe there's more confidence to go and to do the work of God if, if God was sending us out like wolves into the world. That's not, what, that's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus said. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, not to be taken advantage of, not to be slaughtered, but to go out into the world and preach the gospel, not through intimidation or coercion or to devour, but to be people of peace. Jesus says, whatever house you enter, first say peace. Peace to this house. If they welcome you, they will receive your peace. If they reject you, your peace will come back to you. In other words, as a follower of Christ, the peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace that we have received. In the resurrection account, when Jesus appeared before the disciples, he said, my peace I give you. Peace be with you. And he says it over and over again. It's because as a follower of Christ, this peace that surpasses all understanding can never be taken away from us. Whether we are welcomed 
whether we are rejected. It says, your peace, if you're rejected, your peace will return to you. Peace will never be taken away. It is never diminished. It is only to be shared. And that is good news. When you go to a home, offer them peace. And I think our homes could do with some peace these days. Now, normally, and Christy and I, we, we take lots of road trips with the kids. We hardly ever go to the airport. A family of six airfare, I mean, forget about it. So we drive almost everywhere. Um, and we, you know, sometimes we look at the map and like, okay, we're going to go to Disney World. It's going to be great. It's 17 hours from Shreveport. That's a lot of your breathing my air time in the car. 17 hours. It's, we just kind of take a deep breath knowing that we're going to have to stop a lot and have lots of snacks and lots of devices and a lot of... Well, we used to say that. Except that over the last three months we've been sheltering in place at our home. So 17 months has turned into... 17 months. Oh, please. Let us have a vaccine before we reach the 17-month mark. 17 hours has turned into... Three months. Man, Tim is gone, so math is now going to be very hard for me <laughs> on a Sunday morning. 17 hours, a long time in the car. It's now become three months of being together with, with great love, <laughs> no problems. We you know, stare at each other all day, and it's fine. It's fine. Maybe, maybe we do need a little more peace in our household, sheltering in place has, has provided a very different way of being uh, with one another. And there were times where it has felt like, can I say this out loud? It has felt like a long road trip, you know, um, living off of snack food, like gas station snack food. <clears throat> living off of gas station snack food. Um, someone complimented me on my pants today and I said, well, they are my fat pants because I want to be comfortable. Um, I need to get back in the habit of eating eating well again. So living off of gas station food is kind of where we have been. Uh, you know, when you first move into your house and there's no furniture or anything, it kind of feels like a mansion. It's so, ooh, so spacious and what a great open floor plan. And then you spend three months with the same people in the living room together and you start breathing each other's air. <laughs> and you start, stop touching me. I need, I need my space. Or then you get into a place where, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Unfortunately, no. We're not. And as we keep reading, I'm supposed to be going to Florida in a couple, much love to Florida, much love to the Sunshine State, but they're having like 11,000 cases a day. They need to get their stuff together. I want to go to the beach. Are we there yet? No. Unfortunately. When you enter a home, offer peace. Our homes need more peace. Our neighborhoods need more peace. Our city needs peace. So does the world. May, be, may peace be upon all of us. Jesus says, when you go to a house, remain there. 
don't move from house to house. Now, this doesn't mean that, that as Christians we wear out our welcome, like we stay put and never leave or go anywhere. No, Jesus is reminding them that when someone welcomes you, that is where you're staying. In other words, don't go into a city and meet with someone and they welcome you in with hospitality, but eh, it's not really working, so you're going to go look for someone more popular or maybe someone more affluent or maybe someone who has um, more influence in the city. No, they have welcomed you and there you will stay. And then Jesus says, and you will eat whatever they serve you. What an interesting commandment. It is a moment of hospitality to eat whatever is served, to not make demands on the host. But whatever they have, that is what you receive. If you've ever been on a mission trip, or especially like when we go to Cuba, um, you eat what is presented to you, whatever it is. And you always hold in the back of your mind that when you're being presented that bounty of food, it is much more than they normally have. You eat what is presented and you say thank you and you move on. Now in our household, the raw household is kind of like uh, a restaurant because we always have like hot dogs, chips, applesauce, granola bars just in case. Because it doesn't matter what we make. We can make lasagna. We can make hamburgers. We can make filet mignon. Someone in the house is going to say, I don't want that. So you have to have a no thank you helping. You have to have a bite of what someone has prepared for you. But we had that last week. I know I don't like green bean and artichoke casserole. I don't care if you don't like it. You have to have a no, thel- uh, no helping, no, a no thank you helping of the food. And then after you have that bite of food, then, then go, if you can't have a filet, then go fix whatever you need, right? Is this great parenting? Probably not. But it's called survival. <laughs> um, I've also been scarred as, as a child. All right, so one, one evening, we would always eat in our house uh, around the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, and I knew that because uh, Wheel of Fortune always came on at 6.30. And we would kind of watch that as we were finishing up dinner. Well, one day, uh, my, my parents served us, as a side dish, pickled beets. Pickled, shut your mouth. Pickled beets are disgusting. I don't know what ragamuffin invented them. That's the only food. It is the only food that's not touching these lips. I'm not eating pickled beets. It's Satan made it from the bowels of hell made pickled beets. It's disgusting. But our parents served. You have to have a no thank you helping. So I, I ate my pickled beets and I swallowed them down and I left the table. My sister, Megan. The lawyer from Baton Rouge, my sister Megan, didn't move. She said, Dad, I'm not eating pickled beets. My dad said, well, you're not leaving the table until you do. Tick, 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 tick. 30 minutes pass. Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm not eating these pickled beets. Well, you're not leaving the table until you do. Tick, tick, tick. Wheel of Fortune had come and gone, baby. It's, it's one of those things where you know, it, it, um, an unstoppable force meets an unmovable object, right? It's just like, who's, they're playing chicken over pickled beets. Like, who's going to give? This, this is fun. Uh, so I'm watching at a, dis- a very far distance. I'm watching what's, what's going to happen. I'm not eating the pickled beets. Yes, you are. You're not leaving at the table. I'm not eating. She goes, Dad, 
if I eat these pickled beets, I'm going to throw up. I cannot eat pickled beets. Dad said, fine, do it. She stuck her fork in the beets, put it in her mouth, chewed a little bit, swallowed, and then all over the kitchen table. And then she got up, pushed her chair in, and walked away. It's, it's, one of, it's the most fantastic moment uh, of my childhood. Um, eat. That's terrible. I've had better moments. Sorry. That wasn't the highlight of my life. Uh, but it is, it is a great story. <laughs> so I, I'm a bit scarred. So when my kids say, Dad, I, I can't eat green, green bean and archer cast, that's what goes on in my head. I'm, I don't want to clean up throw up. Go have a hot dog. Like, I'll have to pay for it later as a terrible parent. I'm not cleaning up vomit today. Go have some applesauce, right? For the win. Eat whatever is presented to you, Jesus says. And it's because it is a act, it's an act of hospitality, not making demands on your host. Whatever they present is what we will eat. Finally, Jesus says, before departing, announce to them that the kingdom of God has come near. And I do love what Jesus doesn't say here. Jesus doesn't say, um, host a Bible study or give them an, uh, a strategic plan or lay out the benefits of membership or give them a pledge card. He says, no, announce to them that the kingdom of God has come near. So what are you supposed to do when you're rejected from a household? Jesus says, do the same thing. Announce to them that the kingdom of God has come near. Do the same thing whether you are accepted or whether you are rejected, announce that the kingdom of God has come near. What is this kingdom? Well, these disciples are embodying this. It is an incarnational moment. They're already embodying what this kingdom is. It is a place of peace. It is a place of hospitality. It is a place where the stranger is welcomed. It is a place where economic status doesn't matter. If they welcome you, that is where you're staying. They're embodying the Beatitudes in the Gospel of Luke. Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry, you will be filled. And I hope not with pickled beets. Blessed are you who weep, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when you are reviled, for great is your reward. In terms of being reviled, Jesus says, whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we, feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet, know this, the kingdom of God has come near. This teaching is a summary of what has already happened in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, in chapter 9, just a, a chapter just before this, when the story starts. It says this, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for Christ. But they did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, and their nicknames were the Sons of Thunder, James and John, when they saw it, they said, Lord, now do you want us to command fire from heaven and to consume them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, James and John. And then they went to another village. Shake off the dust of your sandals and move on. But before you do, don't forget to also announce that the kingdom of God has come near. And as Jesus says, don't worry, Sodom fared better than they will. 
Sodom and Gomorrah, that great tale of, when, uh, of what it means to reject the stranger, to reject hospitality, to take advantage of the foreigner among you, to exert power over the powerless. What is the sin of Sister Sodom? She had plenty and did not aid the poor, as Ezekiel chapter 16 says. Take nothing with you, no purse, no bag, no sandals. Packing for this kind of trip is very easy. Preparing for this kind of trip takes a lifetime of walking with Jesus. Preparing for a trip in which you offer everyone peace. A trip where you simply receive what is offered a trip where you may be welcomed, you might not be welcomed. Preparing for this trip takes a lifetime of discipleship, of walking. The harvest is indeed plentiful. Are the laborers few? By the power of the Holy Spirit, let us announce through our thought and our word and our deed that the kingdom of God has come near. This place of peace for all of God's children that surpasses all understanding. And by then we may be ready. We might be ready for when we actually get to where we need to be. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, give us courage to go out, to be a laborer in the field. Help us to be people of peace, even when we are rejected. Help us to shake the dust off of our shoes and to move on, to be in a place of fruitfulness. Give us the courage to eat what is set before us, sharing your hospitality with the world. Most of all, Father, help us to follow you. Help us to prepare for the trip that we call life. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.